You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, like like Nick said, my name is Justin Gwynn, and uh, I uh, I'm married to Sarah, um, who's who's in the back, uh, and she we have we have two daughters, Aaliyah, uh, who's four. She looked at me. She heard me say it, I think. And then uh, uh, Ruel is, um, I think she's seven months old? Six. She's going to be seven months old. Yeah, so she's on her way. Um, yeah, we moved out here in, in May of last year, so we're still kind of getting used to the area and, and meeting people. So if I haven't met you yet, um, or you know what, just just come up and, and talk to me. Introduce, me. introduce yourself to me anyways, because... Uh, if I haven't met you, I want to. And uh, if I think that I know your name, I might not as well as I do. So um, come and do that. I would love to talk with you. Um, we work with Campus Ventures, which is uh, an interdenominational Christian ministry um, at the School of Mines. So we're, we're planting that. That's a, that's a new thing uh, at the School of Mines. So I know that most of the students are gone um, for spring break. Um, but some of you guys have been plugged in with that. If you're a student or you know a student who, who wants to be plugged into a college ministry... Uh, talk to me about that afterwards. That would be that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, so we're going to jump in here. Uh, we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter eight, uh, which, which if if you're like me, um, is is it can kind of seem like a confusing chapter. Uh, I, I honestly didn't really know what this whole chapter was talking about until about about like two weeks ago, or something like that, um, and. Uh, the, the reason for that is that usually I would, I would get to this chapter and I'd read it really fast and I would just kind of flip through it and, and just pretend like I was okay with it and then, and then keep going. Um, but I, I think what it does is it kind of sets up this really great um, section, uh, chapters 8 and 9 and 10, uh, that we're going to be in these this next few weeks. So if you've been uh, with us already um, these last few weeks, then you've heard us going through uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And... Um, You'll, you've probably heard or remember Pastor Brian talking about how each of these um, topics that, that Paul is going through is not random. It's, it's a correspondence between him and the Corinthian church. And they're going over these questions and he's giving them his answers and, and they're just kind of going back and forth. And so we're going to we kind of drop right into uh, one of those sections uh, that has to do with food, meat, sacrifice to, to idols. Um, so, as I've been reading through this and, and studying it out, um, the, the conclusion I guess I've come to, the thing that, that I think is trying to be communicated, um, is, is this. So, so if, you're, if you write notes, this is, this is your time to shine. Uh, if you don't write notes, now's a great time to start. Um, there's, there's pens right there, and you should have a bulletin. Um, so this is, this is what I think is, is kind of the crux of what Paul is talking about here. Uh, what I give up for the sake of love shows how I've been changed by Jesus' love. So what I give up for the sake of love shows how I've been changed by Jesus' love. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat that a few more times throughout, throughout the, uh, our time here. Um, but to kind of introduce this, this, this topic, this idea, uh, we're going to see a statement in here about, um, about superior knowledge versus, versus superior love. Uh, I want to tell you guys a story 
um, a little bit about me and, and kind of some of my background. So uh, I, I, was a, I became a Christian at 12, um, but for the majority of my middle school and high school and even my early college years, that was just a, a bumpy ride. I didn't really have anybody um, showing me day to day what it looked like to, to live out my faith or, or what it meant to be a Christian. Um, I, I, went, I went to services, I went to youth group. And I would hear talks, and they sounded really good, and I wanted to do them, but I didn't have anybody really helping me know what that looked like. Um, I, I would have really benefited from a mentor, some guy like Paul, coming alongside me and talking me through these things and, and working through these things. Um, and so, so I'll have to say this story falls within that context. So what, what I did, I'm not advocating my behavior uh, at, at all. <laughs> um, so this story comes uh, my sophomore year of college. And um, I, I really like valued people who were really intellectual, who sounded really smart, who could articulate their arguments really well, and then just back somebody into a corner and just wrench their arm behind them and, and get them to, to give up their point. Right? That's what I liked, and I, I still kind of like that. I like guys like uh, Ben Shapiro and, and Jordan Peterson, who are just really, really bright and, and intellectual and smart. Um, and so I have to be careful about that because I can get really caught up. And some of that, um, but I wasn't careful at this time. That was just what I wanted to do. Um, so I'm a sophomore in college. I already think that I kind of know everything, and um, I, I particularly was was a big fan of video games and specifically the game Pokemon. Um, you probably have at least heard of Pokemon. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, if you're about my age, you probably played it. Um, if you're older than me and you went to church, then you probably heard that it was from the devil. Um, and, and you might fall somewhere in between those two things, right? Uh, I love Pokemon. I started playing when I was five, and I played it all the way up and through college. Um, I knew every single Pokemon that there was. I knew what their type was. I knew what they could do. I knew what most of them sounded like. And I could tell you, based on what they sounded like, which one it was, if I had my eyes closed. It's really, really stupid. <laughs> it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but I loved it. And uh, there's this site called Reddit, which is a, a, a huge, it's like a forum site. People get together and they, they write about, I mean, there's literally a Reddit for, for everything, right? Um, I would say that there's probably a few redeeming things about Reddit, but that for the most part, it is a black hole for your time. It's just a sink uh, for your time. And it's probably not really worth the few redeeming things that there are. Um, but I would spend a lot of time on Reddit. And I remember being on the thread that's about Pokemon. And uh, I think that I was responding to somebody's question or something somebody said with, with some sort of stupid information um, about what, what they were asking. And somebody commented back on mine, and they said that I didn't know what I was talking about, and they called me a name. And uh, so sophomore in college me looks at that, and I, I got mad. I was just indignant. I said, how dare this person? They don't know that I've been playing Pokemon since I was five. <laughs> they're probably 12. They probably started like in generation three. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. And so I sat down, and I think I spent probably a good 30 minutes, maybe it was an hour, writing out like a response. And it was like, you know, 40 times as long as what, what they said. And uh, I, was, I was being very like snarky and intellectual, and I wasn't going to call them any names, uh, not, not outright, because that's like a, a sign of lower intelligence. So I, I was going to go through and insinuate that they were stupid. 
and that they were wasting their life. As I was arguing about these made-up creatures that fight each other by saying only their name, right? So um, that's that's where I was at <laughs> my sophomore year of college. <laughs> and so I, I finished typing this whole thing up, and I'm about to hit send, and there's this something that comes up in me that just says, do you really think that this is going to do anything helpful? I think this is going to solve the issue. And I was like, yeah, probably. And I hit send. <laughs> and I went to class. And every few minutes, I was checking. I was like, I was like reloading the page. I wanted to see if they had seen what I said and if they had responded, right? And then, and then it went from every few minutes to every you know, few hours. And then it was every couple of days. Uh, and by the end of a couple of weeks, they, just, they never responded. Uh, I don't even know if they saw it. Um, and at the end of a couple of weeks, I, I, I had some sense to look at that and say, wow, I guess that just didn't really accomplish what I was intending. Which was maybe one of two things. Uh, a, that they would apologize and, and relinquish that I was much smarter than they were. <laughs> that they were immature and dumb. And that they were totally wrong and that I was totally right. Or B, that they would start fighting with me and then I could get in these long debates that you guys see on Facebook and that you guys see other places and, and then I could be the smarter one that everybody else, like the other ten people looking at this page, would, would like that and say that I was the smart guy. Um, those are the two things that I was sort of expecting would happen. And neither did. Um, and, and so I look at that and I can look at it and I can say that what I was valuing, what I wanted, I wanted the superior knowledge. Right? I wanted to be smarter than this guy or kid. <laughs> I don't know how old they were. Um, I wanted to be better than them, um, as, as Paul is going to put it, as we'll see. I wanted to be puffed up in my, in my knowledge. Um, I had no interest in loving this person at all. I had no idea who they were. I had no idea what, what they were coming from. I have no idea what my words did to them, if they even saw it. Um, so if that's you, if you're in this room and that was me that responded to you, can we talk after this? Because I'd love to, I'd love to ask for forgiveness. It was, it was you. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's kind of where I was at. And, and so what I want to do as, I, as, as we, we kind of look at that is I'm thinking about how, you know, at that time, I did not have very high regard for, for the love of Jesus. I had no interest in showing this guy love. I just wanted to be smarter than him. I just, I just wanted to, to pound him into the ground uh, with, with my superior knowledge. And, and that's evidence of, of this statement. You know, what I give up for the sake of love, what, what rights I give up or, or what position I give up for the sake of love shows how I've been changed by the love of Jesus. In that situation in my life, uh, I was not. I was not very changed um, at that point. And so um, before we move on into the text, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to see how hopefully that's not just me. Okay, I, I hope that not all of you guys are like arguing on, on Reddit about stupid things like I was. But um, I, I think that I'm not alone in that desire uh, to, to just to be the smartest person in the room or to, to win arguments and things like that. Um, I, I want to hopefully show how that's kind of permeated. Um, our, our culture. So really quick, uh, just for a few minutes, break up into groups of like three or four, maybe just in, in your row. Um, try to like tally up how many uh, Christian denominations you can think of. Um, and then we'll come together and I'll, I'll ask you how many you get. So just, just count them on your fingers, just tally it up, uh, how many you can think of. 
So I'll go ahead and break up that. going, but I'm going to have to cut you off pretty soon here. So, wrap it up. Take your final tallies. <laughs> Alright, so what do we have? What What are some numbers? Throw out throw up some, some totals here. 10? What was that? At least 12. What did you say? I said 684. 684. Wow. All right. Kind of a lot. Yeah. Physically named 15. Okay. Yep. 20. 27. All right. About 20. Okay. Cool. You guys did great. Uh, I don't know the exact number. You can look on the internet. Uh, there's a lot of Catholics who will argue that there's 30,000. Um, but I think that that number is pretty conflated and using very like liberal definitions of what a denomination is. Uh, the, the number, like the best numbers that I could find, are somewhere between a thousand and nine thousand. So that's that's still a pretty wide variance. You guys could name twenty. Now, given you know all day, maybe you could figure out some more or do some research and stuff like that. Um, but but for the most part, you guys had you know well over. Uh, what you can count on on your fingers, right? There's there's things that you know of, and, and you guys were probably listing like, you know, mainline <coughs> denominations too, and then out of those things come some different um, bracketed things as well. Um, I bring that up to point out that uh, we we have we have a problem, right? I'm not saying that that in every situation when a new denomination was formed that it was this way, but but I think that the the fact that there are that many. Um, certainly, if it comes up into the numbers of like a thousand to, to eight thousand, um, then we can see that we, we have an issue with 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 unity on on the the, the important things. 
And, and we can probably point out a bunch of ways where we would say that most of those people that, that we identified, I hope, we could call brothers and sisters in Christ. But the reason that there's different denominations is, is these secondary issues, you know, um, things, things about doctrines and things that, that aren't as important as, as the person of Jesus or how, how we are saved, things like that. Um, and so I think that that shows us that, that we have this, this, this thing that creeps into us, right? And I don't know if it comes from, from kind of Western culture, but I think that we want to individually be right. And we want the individual freedom to act on what we think is right. Um, and that means that we can go our separate, ra- separate, separate ways. You, you do what you think is right, and I'm going to do what I think is right, and we can just do it in separate buildings. And that, that's just happened so many times that, that we've come up to the, the number we're at now. And so again, when we think about what we're going to give up for the sake of love, that's what the title of this is, giving up for love. Uh, I think that just, just as, as in the last few hundred years, we haven't done a great job of giving things up for love. We've done a, a better job of asserting our own rights um, for, for the sake of that and splitting up. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and go in because like, like Pastor Brian's been talking about, you know, First Corinthians is, is a church that's like us. You know, we, we have problems that are, that are just as, as um, evident as the ones in the, in the Corinthian church. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, it says that God's word is, is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And, and this really is. It's living and active. It's applicable today. Um, so let's go into this and, uh, and see, see what we can, we can pull out from this one. So starting in chapter 8, it says this. Now concerning food offered to idols, because again, he's addressing certain specific questions. We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through formal association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? (coughs) And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and sisters and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Alright, so anybody feel like that's just like crystal clear? Or does anybody feel like that's kind of confusing? Does it seem confusing? Yeah? That's encouraging to me, because when I read that the first time through, I'm just like, what What in the world? Is it okay? Is it not? 
Just give me give me the clear cut. Just show me show me what's going on. Um, and so I think I think you know Paul does a really good job of those for those first three verses. He just sets up everything that he's about to say. Right? He says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. When you think of something being puffed up, what's it being puffed up with? Air. air. What can happen to that air? Yeah. Explodes or deflates or, or whatever. What about something being built up? Can that be deflated? Nothing. So that's solid. Right? That's not gonna that's not gonna just fall down. And then he goes on and he says, If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So he's saying, even if you could compile as much knowledge as you think you need about a subject, and you still don't know as much about it as you think that you do. So you could be as superior as you think you need to be in, in all kinds of knowledge, but there's someone out there or there's some piece of data that you don't have. So what good is that? And then he says, but if, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And that's pretty awesome. So he's saying love is superior. When you, when you love God, you're, you're known by Him. He's the one who has all, all the knowledge. You get to enter into this relationship where you have access to and, and you're loved by and you get to personally know the one who actually does know everything. How much better is, is love? And so so that's, that's the way he sets this up, right? And then he goes into, um, into their, their knowledge. What, what do they know? Well, they're saying rightfully that, that idols aren't, aren't real things. They're not, they're not really God. And this is the same thing that, that God's been saying all throughout the Old Testament. Right. Whenever you see him mentioning that the Israelites are, are building these idols, he's like, you guys are trusting in wood and stone to save you. And it's not going to work. They can't save you. They look like they have a mouth, but they can't breathe. They look like they have a nose, but they can't smell anything. They look like they have eyes, but they, they can't see anything. These things aren't real. They're not living. The only thing that's real is, is, is God, is Yahweh. That's the thing that, that you should worship. That's the person that you should enter into, into a trusting relationship with. So they have this understanding that, that idols are, are nothing. And it's the same understanding that comes all through, through the Old Testament, through what, through what God says about idols. And then, um, then Paul says, uh, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat. And no better off if we do. And so he's saying, you know, when it's offered to an idol, it doesn't change anything about the food itself. What's changed is the, the person's heart, the one who's offering the idol, right? And, and I think this theme is found um, again all throughout all throughout Scripture. If you look um, throughout the Old Testament, you can see in, in, in uh, Exodus 34 and Numbers 25, you can see some specific examples of God telling the Israelite people. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to engage in a covenant relationship with uh, a false god. I don't want you to um, sacrifice food to them and then eat that food and then engage in sexual immorality and then drink blood and like all these other crazy things that, that go along with the entering of covenant into a relationship with that dead, unreal idol. So, so God is saying, don't do that. I don't want you to, to engage in this trusting relationship with these idols. What I do want you to do is engage in a trusting relationship with me. 
I do want you to sacrifice things to, to, to me. And then he sets that up. That's what the whole book of Leviticus is all about, right? Is, is all these ways that he wants us to sacrifice food to him. And so then it makes sense that, that later on in Scripture, he's calling out the Israelites because they, they're offering food to him, but their heart isn't in it. The intent of their heart is not set on, on trust and love of God. And so when, when Paul says that it kind of doesn't matter, it's, it's just food, I think that's his point. Is like It doesn't change the food. What, what you're doing with the food doesn't change the actual food. What's, what's being shown is, is your heart. What is your intent here? And God makes very clear that if you're eating the meat sacrifice to idols in, in an act of worship, in an act of, of covenant, with something that isn't God, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't be about that. Um, James writes about this as well in Acts 15 and, and in Acts 21. He's writing to uh, these new Christians, these new um, Gentile believers, and they're saying, what, what's the most important thing? Like, what, do we, what do we do now that, now that we're Christians? And he, he gives them a few things. He says, don't, um, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, don't engage in sexual morality, uh, don't eat things that have been strangled, or, and don't eat blood. And those aren't four like individual things that he's saying. He's putting them all together because that, that's the way that you would worship uh, pagan gods is, is those four things in tandem. And so James is just reiterating the same thing that God says. Don't enter into worship of false gods. Don't, don't do that. And so with that in mind, I think it helps us to understand what Paul is saying that, yeah, the food itself isn't changed at all. You can eat the food without worshiping the God. And so a lot of the Corinthians, it seems like, had this understanding, they had this knowledge. But he adds a big addendum to that. But not everyone has this knowledge. Not everybody understands that. Not everybody knows that. There are people still among you who think that by, by simply eating it, that you are worshiping a false god. And he's saying, when that's the case, you better not do it. Don't you do it. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you destroy somebody else's faith? Because what, what they see when they see you doing that, without knowing what you're doing, is they say, oh, this guy's a mature Christian, and he's worshiping Zeus, so I can do that too. Oh, he, he's, he's worshiping these other gods that I, that I used to worship. But he seems to know a lot more than I do, so I, I can do that too. And so there's a big distinction being made between, between actually eating the food and then the, the heart behind what's going on. And it's something that's, that's reiterated all over throughout the Old Testament, um, throughout Scripture. And so what, what then is Paul's conclusion? I think this is so, so important. He says, Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. And, and we'll see later, we'll see in chapter 10, how he says, um, you know, if, if it's just you, if you're at the meat market, don't ask about the food you're buying, okay? Just buy it. Now, if they tell you that it's from, uh, it was sacrificed to metal, okay, now hands off. Don't do it. For the sake of, of their conscience, and for the sake of anybody who would be around you. So he's saying it's a, it's a right that you have, but that right better not get in the way of you being unified with your brothers and sisters. It, it better not be something that's, that's keeping them from understanding something about God's character. You see, knowledge, um, knowledge asks, 
kind of how far can I go? In a negative way, it asks how much can I get away with, but in, in the positive light, it's it's what can I do? Where, where's the where's the fence? Where's the limit? Love doesn't ask that question. It asks how how can what I'm doing show people God's character? Love asks the question, what what can I do? What can I lay down? And and knowledge asks the question, well, what can I stand up with? What can what can I exert over somebody? So I love this. This is really this is really fascinating to me. At the very end, uh, verse thirteen, his conclusion. He says, "Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble." Paul was willing to become a vegetarian for his brothers and sisters. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine saying no to a cheeseburger because because you loved your brother and sister so much? Can, can, I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but like, can you really imagine? Like every time you saw somebody eating a cheeseburger, you're like, "I'm not going to eat that because I love my brothers and sisters in Christ." Or you saw somebody diving into a steak, and you're like, "I'm not going there." That's that's Paul's conclusion. That's what he's willing to give up. That's a big lifestyle change, right? That, that's that's pretty huge. That changes everything about what he's buying every week at the market. I'm not saying that the, the application for today is for everybody to go vegetarian. That'd be kind of funny. But I think the question that we need to ask r- remains the same. Um, so today I'd like you guys to, to, to write down this question. What would I be willing to give up for the love of my brother or sister in Christ? What would I be willing to give up for the love of my brother or sister in Christ? What would I be willing to give up for the love of my brother or sister in Christ? You know, maybe something specific comes to your mind. Maybe it's, it's come to your mind already. Um, I would say just write, write that down. And then get rid of it. Stop doing it. If nothing comes to mind, if, if you can't think of, of anything that you wouldn't give up for your brother or sister, you need to think about that. I mean, it sounds funny, but I mean, if you had to choose between cheeseburgers and the love of your brother and sister in Christ, and you're still going to choose cheeseburgers, we've got a problem. There's a heart issue going on, right? If we're, if we're talking about a certain sum of money or a certain job, or we're we talking about um, certain clothes that we buy, and, and any of that can come above our, our love for our brother or sister, and there's a problem. We need, we need to identify this. And get rid of it. Throw it out. It's not worth it. I think if we if we think about think about Jesus, okay? This is this is God. He's got all the rights of the creator of the universe, the originator of everything. 
And he laid all of that down so, so that he could come as a baby in the most humble form we can imagine. And then he lives this, this perfect life, this sinless life, and, and he's the only one who does it all perfectly right. And, and rather than just holding that to himself, as, as he rightfully earned, what does he do? He lays it down out, out of love to, to bring us in and, and make us brothers and sisters there through him. He's, he's the best picture of this. He's the ultimate example. And, and that's why I'm saying that if like what we, what we do, what we're willing to give up, shows us how much we understand Jesus' love because he gave up everything. He gave up stuff that we just can't even comprehend. And he did it for us so that we could be with him. I mean, what To Paul, I think it was just like, man, me? Yeah. Who cares compared to like loving my brothers and showing them, you know, what, what has Jesus done for me? I could give this up. And we need to be able to come to the same conclusion. And if we're not there, we've got to ask the question why. We've got to, we've got to get into the Word and, and look more at God's character and understand more about Him and see who He really is and understand His, His love for us and what He did sacrifice for us. Because I think out of that will come the desire to give up our, our things, the things that we hold on to for love. That, that's what I see in, in all the Old Testament. It's not God just asking us to give stuff up blindly or, or uh, with no desire. He, he wants us to do it willingly, out of love, we, we give these things up. So think about what it would look like if, if everybody did that. If everybody uh, you know, in, in this room did that with each other, and, and, and if everybody uh, on the face of the planet who would call themselves a brother and sister in Christ did that for each other. If we were so willing to just give up anything that it took for the sake of that unity, man, how, how would things be different? It would, it would look pretty radical. It would be pretty, pretty amazing. And, and I, lastly, I just want to encourage you guys with, with um, John 17. Uh, Jesus is praying. And He's praying for His disciples that were there in the room. And He's praying for His future disciples, which is everybody uh, in this room, if you've, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you're, you're His disciple. And He prayed for you in John 17. And He said this. He's praying to God. He says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you, you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And that's, that's the purpose of, of unity. And Jesus prayed it for us that we could be brought to complete unity. And I think that that implies that we don't start out that way. There's this thing inside of us that wants to put over the superior knowledge above the superior love. And he's praying for us that we can lay that down, lay down the argument, lay down the, the right um, Paul's going to go into this more in chapter 9. But, but lay that stuff down for the sake of love and, and for the sake of unity. And so, so ask yourself the question, you know, what, what am I willing to give for the sake of love? And whatever God tells you to do with that, man, do it. Okay, let's, let's uh, pray. Maybe close up. Jesus, thank you so much for, for your word and for your encouragement. Thank you that um, you have freed us from being able to, to argue soundly about uh, stupid things. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for freeing us. 
from the desire to to puff ourselves up only to be deflated. I pray that you would help us to see your word clearly, help us to understand um, what you want, help us to understand that, that your heart behind what we give is that we would do it um, willingly, that we would do it uh, with the intent of, of showing love. I pray that as we do that, people would see who we are. They would see things about you. Not that we have better arguments, not that we are smarter, but that we we love you, that we know you, that they would want that too. They would want that that understanding of who you are. I pray that as we as we do that, as we make that a commitment, um, that you'd be glorified in that, Lord. And you would guide us with the things that very specifically you want us to give up, because it, it's probably different for each person in here. You deal with us in the area of our pride and our ego and, and humble us and embarrass us so that we will follow you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.